Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of the Global Heart Failure Academy and is brought to you by Medtelligence. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Expert Perspective Program. I'm Dr. Mikhail Kosiborek, cardiologist at St. Luke's Mid-America Heart Institute. It's my pleasure to speak with you today about the important topic of optimizing guideline-directed medical therapy in patients with heart failure-induced ejection fraction and management of hyperkalemia. We know that optimization of guideline-directed medical therapy is a key goal of care in patients with heart failure-induced ejection fraction, and we now have quadruple therapy, meaning four pillars of disease-modifying therapies, which include renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system inhibitors, that's ACE inhibitors, ARBs, and ARNI, as well as mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists, beta blockers, and FGLT2 inhibitors. The guidelines for management of patients with heart failure-induced ejection fraction are very clear in regards to um, introducing and optimizing rapidly uh, these four pillars in patients with HFREF. Here you can see the 2021 European Society of Cardiology Heart Failure Association guidelines, which give class one level recommendation to all of the therapies that I just mentioned. The American guidelines are also very consistent with that. These were just issued earlier in 2022 from American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, and Heart Failure Society of America. And again, you can see that all of these four pillars have the highest level recommendation, meaning that unless there is a contraindication or patient didn't tolerate therapy, if you're not using these, you're not really practicing optimal medical care for your patients. Now, despite uh, the fact that the clinical trial evidence is extremely strong in terms of the impact of these four pillars on those important outcomes that I just mentioned, they continue to be uh, systemically underused uh, across the Atlantic, both in the United States and in Europe. And especially when we look at the current management in real-world clinical practice, uh, from large registries in the United States, we see consistent underuse of these treatments. And these extend to uh, renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system inhibition, as well as other guideline-recommended therapies, including beta blockers and especially mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists. We also see that there is a substantial gradient in that suboptimal use when we look at the patient's underlying kidney function as measured by EGFR, while that gradient is relatively minor for medications that don't have any significant effect on kidney function, such as beta blockers, we see a very large gradient when it comes to renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system inhibitors, including ACE inhibitors, ARBs, ARNI, and especially mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists, where the use is suboptimal to begin with but it drops off dramatically as EGFR declines. We also see it when we look at triple therapy, which includes ACE inhibitor ARBO ARNI, beta blockers, mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists, where patients with lower EGFR have a dramatic underuse of these therapies. Now, what are the reasons that we see this gradient across EGFR and general underuse of uh, deadline-recommended therapies, such as MRAs in particular? We, of course, know that patients treated with MRAs, especially if the EGFR is low, would be at higher risk of developing hyperkalemia. 
And we know that hyperkalemia is associated with a higher risk of adverse events, including death, especially as potassium levels go above five milliequivalents per liter. And of course, the higher the potassium levels, the greater the degree of association with adverse events. One of the key questions here is whether hyperkalemia actually is a cause of those adverse outcomes or whether it's just a risk marker. Now, do we actually have evidence that patients with heart failure reduced ejection fraction treated with MRAs who develop hyperkalemia still benefit from those agents? And the answer is absolutely yes. We have this data from MRA trials, including emphasis HF, where it's very clear that even those patients that develop hyperkalemia on a plerinone still do better, still have a better outcomes than those patients that are treated with placebo. We also know from observational data that there is a very clear association between guideline-directed medical therapy and specifically MRAs being down-titrated or discontinued and subsequent uh, increased risk of adverse outcomes. So in this particular study, whether we look at patients with CKD, heart failure, diabetes, or the entire population, we see that those patients that are on uh, submaximal dose, and especially those that have had their MRAs discontinued, have much higher risk of subsequent adverse events for patients that are optimally treated. Now, you can ask, uh, you know, what am I supposed to do as a clinician if my patients with HFRAF is on ACE inhibitor ARB or ARNI? and MRAs and develops hyperkalemia, uh, what are my treatment options? There are a number of approaches that could be considered. Um, uh, and I think if you look at overall um, approach uh, from expert consensus, as well as that outline in the guidelines, is that you certainly should look at other options first, especially if hyperkalemia is mild or moderate and not severe before down titration or discontinuation of GDMT. That includes low potassium diet and eliminating uh, offending agents that don't provide cardiovascular benefits, such as NSAIDs, and trying to maintain uh, RASI treatment and, of course, monitoring potassium and kidney function carefully. It's also acknowledged that um, in some patients, uh, using novel potassium binders, uh, such as pterimer and sodium zirconium cyclosilicate may be an option. And there are certainly patients where using potassium binders may be quite reasonable uh, before uh, RASI treatment is uh, down titrated or discontinued. 2022 HACC HFSA guidelines there is a level 2B recommendation for use of potassium binders in patients with heart failure that experience hyperkalemia and are taking RASI. That means that there is some evidence suggesting that benefit may outweigh risk, but of course, there needs to be additional evidence in that regard. Right now, it's rated as to be, which is considered relatively weak level of evidence. In the 2021 EAC Heart Cell Association guidelines, it's acknowledged that kidney dysfunction and hyperkalemia are major causes of underuse for GDMT, especially RASI and especially MRAs, and administration of potassium binders such as pterimer SEC may allow enabling of RASI and optimization of RASI in a larger proportion of patients. 
we just talked about the fact that the uh, level of evidence was considered by the guideline developers to not yet be sufficient for anything more than the level to be recommendation. But of course, the evidence base in this space continues to evolve. And in that regard, it's important to mention the Diamond trial, which was presented at the American College of Cardiology earlier in 2022. And to date, that so far is the largest study to look at use of potassium binders as potential enabling strategy for RASI optimization in patients with heart failure and reduced ejection fraction who either have hyperkalemia or at risk of developing hyperkalemia. So how was the DIAMOND trial designed? The study included patients with heart failure and reduced ejection fraction that were either hyperkalemic, meaning that they had a potassium level of greater than 5 milliequivalents per liter on RASI at baseline, or they could be normal kalemic, but be at risk for developing hyperkalemia. And that was serum potassium level between 4 and 5, and a prior history of hyperkalemia that previously led to RASI reduction or discontinuation. These patients were subsequently initiated on open-label paterimer during the running phase. And during that running phase, the goal was to optimize the RASI treatment, including ACE inhibitors ARM or ARNI, as well as initiation and or optimization of mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists. At the completion of the run-in phase, those patients that were able to be optimized on RASI and MRA and were normal kalemic were then randomized. This was a randomized withdrawal design, which means patients were randomly assigned to either continue the pterimer or to be withdrawn from pterimer and switched to placebo. And here you can see that patients on pterimer had significantly lower potassium levels. The difference was in absolute terms modest, about 0.1 milliequivalents per liter, but highly statistically significant. But of course, it's important to keep in mind that after patients were randomized to the continuation of pterimer or withdrawal of pterimer, the clinicians were free to adjust RASI treatments. Uh, in accordance with their clinical judgment, which means that in patients randomized to placebo, as the potassium levels increased, there was a much uh, a higher likelihood of down-titration or discontinuation of RASI treatment. So these potassium levels certainly need to be interpreted in that context. The outcomes that I think are probably more relevant to clinical practice um, are secondary endpoints. And as we can see, use of pterimer uh, led to a significant reduction in the risk of hyperkalemia events. Uh, this was consistent for hyperkalemia events based on laboratory measurements in the central laboratory, where that risk was reduced by 37% with a hazard ratio of 0.63. And it was also consistent for uh, events uh, that were reported by investigators, events of hyperkalemia, where the relative risk reduction was quite similar. Um, in addition, uh, use of pterimer led to a significantly lower risk of reduction in MRA dose below target, where again, here we see a 37% relative risk reduction in the likelihood of MRA dose reduction. Uh, I will point out, however, that majority of patients, even of those that were on placebo, were actually able to be optimized and maintained on, our, on MRA, even when they were withdrawn from a potassium binder and switched to placebo. And what that means is that in clinical practice, 
patients that either had hyperkalemia or those at risk for hyperkalemia could actually be optimized on MRA treatment and maintained on MRA treatment over a long time period without uh, the need to down titrate or discontinue MRAs um, and without the need to actually reduce the below target dose. So the clinical take home message here is that in large proportion of patient flexes, the uh, fear of hyperkalemia when overcome uh, can actually lead to optimization of guideline-directed medical therapy. And of course, if you use a potassium binder, uh, the likelihood of maintaining optimal MRA therapy is significantly greater. Now, it's important to keep in mind that there are other things that can be done in addition to using potassium binders uh, to reduce the risk of significant hyperkalemia in patients with half RAF. And the good news here is that using um, uh, those uh, four pillars, including SGLT2 inhibitors, uh, when combined with MRAs, may actually lead to low risk of significant hyperkalemia. So what we see here is the risk of developing mild or moderate to severe hyperkalemia in uh, patients uh, treated with MRAs um, when they were assigned to either dapagliflozin or placebo in the DAPA-HF trial. And here we see that, uh, especially when it comes to moderate to severe hyperkalemia and the likelihood of developing potassium levels of greater than six millimoles per liter, uh, there is a 50% lower risk of developing that uh, significant hyperkalemia in patients assigned to dapagliflozin versus those assigned to placebo. So here you can essentially um, accomplish both goals at the same time, getting patients on uh, those four pillars, that quadruple therapy that we know will extend life and improve uh, symptoms and functional limitations in this patient population. And at the same time, when SGLT2 inhibitors are combined with MRAs, also reducing the risk of significant hyperkalemia. So again, optimization of GDMT itself can actually lead to lower risk of hyperkalemia with MRAs. Um, uh, and that I think is an important clinical message here. Uh, so what are the uh, concluding thoughts here? I think the take home messages are number one, optimization of guideline directed medical therapy is critical. And we really ought to do everything possible to try to get patients with half RAF on optimal GDMT as rapidly as possible. Hyperkalemia can be a rate limiting step and is a obstacle to GDMT optimization in a large proportion of patients, especially those with compromised kidney function. And we know that that's one of the key reasons why GDMT is not optimized, unfortunately, to this day in a large proportion of patients with half rough. The tools that we have in our armamentarium to optimize ranangiotensin-aldosterone system inhibition and especially MRAs is increasing and now includes novel potassium binders, including potiromer and SZC. The guidelines are beginning to uh, recognize that this is a potentially important tool in enabling optimal RASI treatment in patients with HFRAF. And the evidence base is emerging in the space uh, with a recent Diamond trial clearly demonstrating that uh, using potassium binders in a patient population like this with half RAVs that either have hyperkalemia or at high risk of developing hyperkalemia can help optimize GDMT use and especially MRA use while maintaining potassium levels in a safe range. So with that, I will close. Thank you very much for watching the program and take care. 
You have been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Medtelligence. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash heart failure. Thank you for listening.